The Philadelphia Eagles might take a step back in 2023, and we're going to tell you why. Coming up next on Locked On NFL. You are Locked On NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome, everybody, into this Friday episode of Locked On NFL, your daily podcast covering the National Football League, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We want to thank you so much for making Locked On NFL your first listen of the day today and every day. Don't forget, you can subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. I'm David Harrison on Twitter at DHarrison82, host of Locked On Commanders and Locked On Bucks, credential member of the media covering both the Washington Commanders and Tampa Bay Buccaneers for Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation group of sites. He is your boy Q on Twitter at your boy Q254, host of Locked On Raiders and Locked On Bets, and uh, on air all over Las Vegas, <laughs> including the Las Vegas Sports Network, Raider Nation Radio, ESPN Las Vegas, Fox Sports Las Vegas, and 1230 The Game. It's a good thing, uh, Q, that you're our boy because uh, if you're our enemy, we don't want you spread out as much as you clearly are. <laughs> Locked on NFL is here with you every Monday through Friday, along with our everydayers. And as always, we appreciate your continued support for this and all your favorite Locked on programs. On today's episode, we're going to discuss five teams that didn't do as much as they should have or maybe could have in the National Football League this offseason. But first, Q, we're going to talk about the big hitter, the defending NFC champion Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, and I think that not enough people are talking about the Philadelphia Eagles. I think everyone's expecting the Eagles to be status quo. And, oh, man, they're going to go and make another run at the Super Bowl. And Jalen Hurts just got his contract extension, and he's going to continue to to develop as a quarterback. And, look, let's make no bones about it. I'm a big Jalen Hurts fan. I love what he's been able to do in the NFL. I believe that he's continued to develop and improve each and every year. But but I have concerns when I look at the Philadelphia Eagles and I look at their offseason. And I think that uh, too many people are kind of glossing over the fact that they lost a lot. And let's start, before we even start talking about players, let's start talking about coaches. They lost both their offensive coordinator and their defensive coordinator. Coach Shane Steichen, he's now in Indianapolis as the head coach there. He has an opportunity to try to develop Anthony Richardson like he helped develop Jalen Hurts. And then Coach Mm -hmm. Jonathan Gannon is in Arizona with the Cardinals. So both coaches, offensive and defensive coordinators, both leave for head coaching jobs, which, great for them, but what does that mean for the Philadelphia Eagles who are coming off a Super Bowl loss? Not a win, right? They didn't come out on the on the winning side like Kansas City where you think, okay, you're going to lose a lot of uh, players and coaches, but you've got the, the core in place and you can just go ahead and keep it, the ball rolling. They came off a loss, and we all know the Super Bowl hangovers are real. So now you're losing your coordinators, and how many free agents did they, did they lose? And I know that Howie Roseman does a good job of rebuilding the, the depth and, and having the, you know more talent in the cupboard, but... They lost a lot of guys in free agency, uh, at the, especially on the defensive side of the ball, and that's really how they buttered their bread in 2022, right? Their defense is what we really talked about the most, the fact that they had 70 sacks during the regular season. Like, I know that off the mm-hmm. top of my head because we talked about it at nauseum. So I just think that there were so many losses for Philadelphia players and coaches that that can't be ignored and that that's going to be hard to replace. So as much as everyone wants to just go ahead and crown them the NFC East champions, which, oh, by the way, that doesn't happen back-to-back ever, (laughs) right? And and, and all of a sudden they're going to just make a deep run in the playoffs and be back in the Super Bowl. I don't think it's that easy, David. I think it's going to be a I think it's going to be a tough road to hoe for the uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles with all those talent, all the losses that they had in 2022's well, 2023 offseason. 
Yeah, no, look, I think you made a really good point. And, and I think it's interesting because you actually kind of opened my eyes a little bit, right? I told you this in pre-production, but um, so I actually write the, the Fan Nation group publisher that I write for also covers the Eagles website. So I write twice a week for the Philadelphia Eagles site uh, on Sports Illustrated. And every, like the tone of the entire offseason, the tone of all the articles, all the columns, all the rankings, everything's going on have been supremely positive. But I think you bring up a lot of valid points that we are not even covering on that website, maybe as much as we really should be if we're if we're going to be honest brokers of what's going on with this team. Because like you said, coaching matters, right? right? And I know that some of these coaching replacements have come from in-house, so a lot of people kind of write that off and say, well, these are guys who have been in the system, around the system. And while that's true, that doesn't mean you're getting a carbon copy guy, right? And, and let's be clear, this new offensive coordinator in Philadelphia, like, yeah, he's a rising star within the organization and all these great things, and and, and that's that's all very, very impressive. But Jalen Hurts is the star now. Like Jalen Hurts is the paid man. He is the made man in Philadelphia. So this offensive coordinator, it's not you're getting a quarterback. No, you're now, I don't want to say working for this quarterback, but it's right. your job to make this quarterback shine, which means if he's not comfortable, it doesn't like something you're doing, you don't really have the autonomy that a lot of offensive coordinators want to have. And as a first-year coordinator, that could become, I don't want to say it's going to become a problem or dramatic. I want to get overblown too early, but that could be an issue, of course, like you said. And yeah, I mean, we've been praising a lot of replacements, right? The, the, the Eagles lost a lot of players. They lost linebackers, safeties. Mm -hmm. They had some defensive line rotations go or happen this offseason. And they did. They brought in a lot of a lot of good young players that have a lot of good reputation. Sidney Brown out of Illinois is a, is a sleeper to be right. a, a very good pick for the Philadelphia Eagles squad. But they're still rookies. And, exactly. and these rookies are playing in the trenches. They're playing in the secondary. And then those are some really difficult spots to really transition to the NFL. And they're receiving new messages and new coaching compared to what the rest of this defensive squad did because, again, of that changeover at the coordinator position. So not only are you getting these rookies acclimated to NFL life, you got to get them integrated with the veterans, but you're also getting them integrated with the veterans under new guidance that these guys are getting from the jump, and these veterans are now getting uh, kind of midstream. So it's it's very interesting. And your last point of how common it is for a defending conference champion to do it again, I actually did an article about that. I went through the NFL's history of Super Bowls, and if, if I remember correctly, I want to say it was like three times in NFL history that a losing Super Bowl team has gone back to the Super Bowl. I want to say only twice they've actually won the Super Bowl. So the, the numbers and the odds are already stacked against them before you have all of these departures. Right. And, you know, you're looking at some guys, especially I'm um, looking at the defensive line, and everyone jokes and talks about, well, they're just bringing in all the Georgia guys, which they are. But remember, the guys that they had from a year ago that are now second-year guys, they have to step up as well, right? I mean, again, they lost some veteran leadership and some veteran uh, know-how. So I I'm looking at, you know, some of these guys uh, like a Jordan Davis. I mean, he's got to all of a sudden step up and fill a, a huge role. Like, you know, Hargraves went to San Francisco for a big big payday, right? Marcus Epps, the safety, he's in Las Vegas now. I mean, there's guys that they lost, so they're expecting, you know, the Jalen Carters, who they drafted, which I think is a really good pick for them, and I think he's going to help them out, but as you mentioned, you're expecting a rookie to step in and fill a major role immediately, and you're expecting Jordan Davis to take that st that year two step, and you're expecting N'Kobe Dean to all of a sudden hold it down, and Nolan Smith to be a rookie. You know what I mean? Like, you're expecting a lot from young guys, which, if it works, wow, great. You're, you know, GM of the year with Howie Roseman. And, look, he could probably be in the running for it quite a bit. He's done a really good job there. But it's it's kind of – it's almost kind of foolish and, and almost a little arrogant. And, and I don't want to make it sound like, you know, the Eagles or, or their fan base or any of the people covering them are arrogant. But I'm, I don't want to say that. Mm -hmm. But it's just – it's almost like just to assume – 
that everything's going to be smooth sailing is a little silly because it's the NFL and nothing is smooth sailing. And again, you're asking a lot of young guys and a lot of new people to fill voids that veterans held down last year. And so they went on a Super Bowl run and it was fantastic. But David, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be tough to repeat that. And oh, by the way, they'll have a target on their back. And you know, you cover the NFC East. How often does a yeah. a, 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 a champion in the NFC East repeat in the division? It is it is not very common at all. <laughs> and and look, I mean, I I will go as far as to say because I write for the site at least for one of these Eagles sites. I will I will go as far as to say that it might be a little bit arrogant what the coverage uh, really is about the Eagles right now. I think that's that's not a, a completely inaccurate way. Uh, of putting it, but you bring up the division. I mean, I know we we all know, you know, just a couple years ago, a few years ago, the NFC East was the NFC least and the division winner right. had a losing record, the Washington football team at the time backing into the playoffs that way. But this year, this last year, anyway, this the 2022 season, the last place team in the division, the Washington Commanders, came away with an 8-8-1 and record. So that 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 dynamic in the division has kind of shifted mm-hmm. uh, a little bit. And like you said, some of these other teams have taken steps forward. We'll see what Daniel Jones does in year two. Uh, with his with his new coach situation with the New York Giants, but the the last point I want to bring up about the Eagles, and and this is something that's being brought up as kind of a, a major benefit to their chances of repeating as NFC champions, is the fact that this offense is by and large the same from a construction standpoint. I know there's some new names like DeAndre Swift, and there and there's there's some very exciting names and all stuff, but really when you look at the roster, the skill set, and what you expect this offense to look like, it really kind of looks the same. And I've always said the hardest thing to do. In the NFL is, or one of the hardest things to do in the NFL is to be a first-year quarterback with a lot of success. Jalen Hurts, kind of, we some of us saw it, some of us didn't see it burst onto the scene. One of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League. But what's even harder than that is doing it again. And Lamar Jackson learned that after his MVP season, because right. now they know who you are. Now they have tape. I watched Tom Brady and the Buccaneers go through this. His first year in Tampa, record-setting offenses. Second year in Tampa, a little bit harder because everybody knew a little bit more of what to expect from them. No doubt. No doubt about it. It's going to be difficult for the Philadelphia Eagles. I like the team. I like the dynamic. I just think that coming off a Super Bowl loss and all the losses that they had in the offseason uh, is going to be hard to repeat as NFC East champions and also make a deep playoff run. But, again, that's the reason why they play the game. So that's all things Philadelphia Eagles. Coming up in segment number two, I'm going to pick an AFC team. David's going to pick an NFC team. And we're going to say what they didn't do enough of in the offseason. That comes up in segment number two after I tell you about our good friends at Built Bar. And this is just what I do each and every day. When I check out Built Bar, because I never know what to expect, I just go to the website. Built.com is so simple. And they always have something hit me right in the face at some new flavor or a limited time edition. So today, as I look at it, Coconut Brownie Chunk Puff is back. Hashtag, you got to try this. Why do you got to try it? Well, one, because it tastes great. And that's what we all care about, first and foremost. Before it's about health, before about anything else, it's always about taste. We always want something that tastes great. Well, Built Bars got you covered there. The Built Puffs obviously have the marshmallows in it, and the regular Built Bars don't. So if you're a marshmallow person, great. You're looking for the puffs. If you're not, that's okay, too. You can get the bars because, well, they have something for everyone. So right now they got the feature Coconut Brownie Chunk Puff. That one is back, but they also have some that I'm really intrigued by. Very Vanilla Puff. Very vanilla bar. Who doesn't like something that's a real good vanilla flavor? And again, the best thing about this is not only is it a great tasting bar, but it's good for you. So as you're watching the hoop games, as you're watching uh, the NHL playoffs, as you're getting ready for the the NFL you know, OTAs and training camp that'll be right around the corner and you need to get through your days, Built Bar can help you do that. Uh, great tasting snack, protein bar, uh, calories are low, sugar's low, protein is high, taste is fantastic. So there's something for everyone 
on the website. It's just that simple. Built.com. When you go to check out, use the promo code LOCKEDON15. It's all one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. The number is 1-5. You'll save 15% off your order. But more importantly, you're going to get a great taste and treat, and you're going to get a great uh, treat for you as far as uh, health-wise because you want to make sure that you're taking care of your body. So Built Bar covers you on both ends. Built.com, promo code LOCKEDON15. You are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, here we go. Segment number two of today's Locked On NFL show, the Friday edition. David Harrison and Q Myers, your boy Q. Uh, We are holding it down. Christopher Carter's out doing, well... You know, Christopher Carter type things. We never know what Chris Carter is going to be doing on a Friday. But uh, myself and David Harrison got it for you. In segment number one, we talked all things Philadelphia Eagles and how it's going to be difficult for them to repeat and make that same deep run that they made a season ago. Now we want to go ahead and cherry pick a couple teams here, and we'll do that. David's going to pick an NFC team. I'll pick an AFC team, and we'll let you know about their offseason or maybe the struggles that they had in the offseason. So, David, go ahead and uh, let me know. What NFC team are you uh, got your mind on? Yeah, you know, I'm going to I'm going to stick in the NFC East. And I know some people are going to be like, look, this dude covers the Commanders. We've already <laughs> down talked the Philadelphia Eagles. Now we're going to talk another NFC East team. He's just trying to pump up the Washington Commanders. Look, that's not what this is about. When you look at the Dallas Cowboys, they have very clearly kind of made it made it evident through some comments, through just their moves and through what they wanted their offense kind of turn into under Mike McCarthy. They want to run the ball more, right? This is a passing game, but there's still the running game impact and there's still some value in a good solid running game. Well, when you're a team that wants to run the ball more, I would say that a bad idea is to get rid of arguably your best or your second best, you know, depending on who you, how, how you view Ezekiel Elliott. I would say he was the second best running back. I think most people agree. But you let him walk out the door. I understand there's some cap savings. But you do it while your number one back, in theory, Tony Pollard, is coming off of, an, of a very significant injury, uh, an injury that a lot of people will say really takes you a full season to come back from. And then that second season you're coming back from that is when you really start to feel uh, well, again, if there's no setbacks uh, in the meantime, which, of course, we don't we, we all hope Tony Pollard uh, the best of health. Right. So Ezekiel Elliott walks away. This saves the Dallas Cowboys five million dollars in cap. But right now they've got 14 million dollars in the bank that they could be spending and not a lot of real solid options here to help Tony Pollard lead this Dallas Cowboys run game. So if I were to ask a, a random Cowboys fan, would you rather have 14 million dollars and just Tony Pollard or would you rather have nine million dollars? and Tony Pollard and still have Ezekiel Elliott with Tony coming off that injury, I would have to believe that if you want the actual, the, the real benefit for your team, you would still want to keep Zeke. Now, there's some other things to that that Coach uh, Skip P has kind of talked about since he's arrived to Tampa, where it kind of seems like maybe Zeke wasn't really so willing to kind of take that back seat, and certainly those things kind of fold in here. But bottom line is if you know that your second best or maybe your best or at least your healthiest running back is on his way out the door, you have to take moves if you're really going to dedicate uh, some effort to this running game to replacing him if you're not going to be able to keep him. And it's the worst timing possible because Mike McCarthy has to be on the hot seat with the Dallas Cowboys and his team just looks like it's regressing. They added Brandon Cooks to the receiver room and maybe I just have a lot of shade carrying over from watching (laughs) the Houston Texans last year because that was one of the most boring football games I have ever sat through in person. But I'm just not really impressed by that move. The offensive line has steadily gotten worse, which to be fair, after being the best unit for a few years, that's kind of the only direction you can go. But still, it's not exactly building back up to being the best unit. And then you're essentially putting everything on Dak Prescott, Q, and that's really where Mm -hmm. I have 
a problem with this. $26.8 million he's getting paid in 2023. So you would look at that paycheck and say, well, you should be able to put a lot on Dak Prescott. But I think what we've seen in Dak and over his career, he's not that guy. He's not the quarterback that you can throw Jacoby Myers out there with and still make it to the playoffs. He needs some more weapons and CeeDee Lamb can't just do it uh, by by himself. I'll finish with this and let and let you chime in on the Cowboys. I said this about the Ravens last year. It looked to me like Baltimore is basically setting the stage to low ball Lamar Jackson, getting rid of a lot of weapons, not bringing in a whole lot of help with him, having some unhealthy running backs that they were quote unquote relying on, and basically just putting it on all, all on Lamar's shoulders. I kind of look at the Cowboys doing the same thing, but it's just weird because again, the head coach I would think is somewhat on at least a warm seat, if not the hot seat. And Dak Prescott is in a situation now where the Cowboys realistically could get out of his contract after this season with minimal cap damage. Even if they don't do that, 2024, it expires. They don't have to resign him, obviously, obviously, and they could decide to move up for him. I, I just wonder if we're not seeing the stage being set for essentially a whole new reset in Dallas. It really could be, you know, and I thought Mike McCarthy has been on the hot seat for a while, right? I, I just think that he's very overrated as a coach, and I think that all the Cowboy fans, I think they'll all agree with that, and I think some people inside the building there, uh, you know, in Arlington and Frisco would probably say the same thing, like, yeah, this isn't really who we thought we were getting when they hired him, right? And so I, I think that that's kind of uh, the the overall feeling, but, uh, you know, the Cowboys taking a step back, I, I could totally see that. Um, and, and it's funny after talking about the Eagles taking a step back and we've talked about how competitive the NFC East is, it's not the NFC least anymore. It really shapes up to be an interesting division, right? I mean, uh, we talked yeah. about the Giants and can uh, can, can uh, Daniel Jones be that guy a second year in a row? How much more can Brian Dayball develop him? Uh, what's the Washington Commanders going to look like? How's that defense going to look? How does that offense develop? I mean, that division all of a sudden is going to be very, very interesting. And, you know, one more point on the Cowboys and then I'll get to an AFC team. I mean the 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 shine the, the the shine's always on them, right? The Cowboys are always yeah. the the ones that the, the star shines the brightest and no pun off the star on the side of their helmet. I mean it's just the the Cowboys always have all the attention on them. So every little mm -hmm. small move that they make that is questionable all of a sudden looks even bigger, right? So, you know, they lost their offensive coordinator in Kellen Moore. I thought he was actually going to be head coach in waiting. He's now with the Chargers, and it's funny. I actually have a conversation about the Chargers on the way. So, I mean, I, I don't know how much that's going to, you know, hurt the Cowboys, or, or maybe they look at it as that's going to be, a, a you know, an addition by subtraction. So we'll see, but uh, I, I can see exactly where you're coming from with the Cowboys and and why it could look like they took a step back uh, in the offseason and they got a lot of work ahead of them uh, as they try to compete for the title there in the NFC East. So I'm picking one AFC team, and I already kind of hinted to it. It's the Chargers. And the last thing we saw from the Chargers, the last time we saw them out on the field, they were blowing a huge lead to the Jacks or on the Jacksonville Jaguars in the playoffs in the wild card round. They eventually lose that one. And I just knew, I believe I was on the radio that day live at the time while it was happening. I just knew on the plane ride home, Brandon Staley was going to be fired. Well, uh, the Chargers did not fire him. What they did is they they hired Kellen Moore. They got rid of their offensive coordinator. They hired Kellen Moore out of Dallas to be the OC and try to help continue to develop Justin Herbert. I think we all can agree Justin Herbert's a hell of a quarterback. I think that he's going to be really, really good. But I feel like we've been saying he's going to be really, really good for a while, and it just hasn't happened where you see it resulting in victories. He hasn't got that playoff victory yet. I mean, again, they were up big on Jacksonville and found a way to lose that. And remember, Brandon Staley's yeah. supposed to be a defensive-minded head coach. So I just knew, and good thing I didn't place money on this. Good thing I'm not a, 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 a certified gambler as I live out here in Las Vegas uh, because I just knew that Sean Payton was going to be you know, online one 
from uh, the Chargers family. Like, hey, they're, they're going to go out there, get Sean Payton. He's going to be able to coach up Justin Herbert. Everybody better watch out. The AFC West is in trouble. Well, Sean Payton ended up in the AFC West, but he ended up in Denver, right? And if you had told me that he was going to end up in Denver, I would have told you you were a liar. I just didn't see that coming. I didn't think that that was going to be the move. I didn't think that was going to be the move Sean Payton wanted as he's a guy who is very familiar with the L.A. Chargers and, you know, is very familiar with the L.A. area. So I was really shocked that Sean Payton was not the guy. And I know that the Spanos family there with the Chargers is, is a pretty cheap family. So that's most likely why they held on to Brandon Staley so they didn't have to pay out his contract. But I think at some point, point man you've got to go for it if you got the rookie quarterback or the quarterback on a rookie deal stealing Justin Herbert and his contract is going to be coming up sooner rather than later you want to try to capitalize as you can and I think Sean Payton would have gave them the best opportunity to do that now I do think they have a really talented team I think they have some really good players I think that they're going to have an opportunity to compete and, and have an opportunity to challenge the Chiefs for the AFC West title but I think that the the X factor would have been Sean Payton, and I think that they missed the boat by not going out and getting him, and that's where Denver, they benefited by being able to go get the guy that the Chargers didn't get. That's, I mean, that's a really big point, I think, that you just made there because when I when I look at Sean Payton with the Denver Broncos, and, and I was fortunate enough, I was in Mobile with Ross Jackson, host of Locked On Saints, when that deal went down, like, it kind of was. It was kind of one of those. Okay, that's interesting. Like I don't, you know what I mean. But <laughs> honestly, I don't. I don't fear the Denver Broncos. Like right. you know, we talked about the NFCs. The Washington Commanders are taking Sam Howell uh, and and hopefully this top ten, top five caliber defense into Denver this season. And I'm super excited to go home. But I'm not really afraid of what the Denver Broncos are going to do to the Washington Commanders uh, in Mile High. Like I, I kind of looked at that game already in Week Two of the NFL season. Think that if the Commanders leave Denver with a loss it's more likely to be something that they didn't or didn't do uh, to themselves versus what the Denver Broncos are going to do to them. But you push on Peyton on the Chargers, and suddenly I'm afraid of the Chargers a little bit more Mm -hmm. uh, than I was before. And it's interesting, Hugh, because we're talking about two quarterbacks here in this segment, Dak Prescott and Justin Herbert, that I'm kind of on the same boat with both of these guys, whereas coming into it, coming into the NFL, both these guys come out of college, I was a little bit higher on them than – kind of the national narrative was on them and, and all that stuff. But then it kind of gradually grew to where now I'm actually lower on these guys in the NFL mm. because of how much people have wanted to inflate them. Justin Herbert uh, alone, a guy that people were kind of crowning to be like maybe Patrick Mahomes' big rival yeah. uh, during his NFL career before he even played a playoff game, let alone win a playoff game. H- hadn't even been to the postseason yet, and already we were trying to pump him up into this this big you know national marquee player. Uh, and it's nothing against Justin, just he hadn't really earned that title yet so i think it's really interesting because two franchises with maybe a little bit over overly hyped up expectations of their quarterback but also doing things that kind of go against supporting that quarterback and giving him the best uh, environment to succeed yeah there's no doubt it's funny when Dak came out you know he was a fourth round pick he was a compensatory pick for the cowboys that was like their third or fourth cow- uh, uh, quarterback that they really wanted is just the guy that they got stuck with and he fell into a really good situation i was really low on him when he came out of college i thought ah, eh, he's just whatever just some guy and then all of a sudden he developed and he developed like a warm spot in my heart i was like oh hey this Dak prescott guy is pretty good but he never took pretty good and made it great right i mean he got to a certain point but he never got better And so that's my big question when it comes to Dak, you know, and that's what I look when we were talking about the Eagles in segment one, I was talking about Jalen Hurts. I love that he has continued to get better since he's been in the league. And I believe he's going to, with his work ethic, continue to work at his craft. I feel like Dak has got to a certain point and he was like, yeah, I'm good. 
I'm good, right? I'm already exceeded expectations, so I'm good. And, I, you know, I don't want to make it sound like I don't think he works hard, but there's certain guys that you know that it just it feels like it means more. And I know, I mean, look, I covered the Cowboys for a long time, man. You get caught up in that in that Cowboy lifestyle, that Jerry Jones lifestyle that he creates. It's hard to keep that keep that grind going, right? It, it's hard to do that when you're living that uh, that country club lifestyle, and that's exactly what they have out there in Frisco and in Arlington with, with the Cowboys. So I, I can see Dak kind of, you know, falling into it. Then, of course, he had the big, massive injury, and so he had to bounce back from that. It's just what he saw and what we saw from him last year and all the interceptions that he threw, and he missed a chunk of games, and he still led the league in interceptions. Like, that, that to me is a big red flag. So uh, Justin Herbert, I do still think, is on the uptick. But as you mentioned, everyone crowned him before he ever earned it, before he even sniffed the playoffs. I mean, I still remember that Week 18 game at Allegiant Stadium where he was hoping, and it's, I mean, you, you, they see the vision of it all the time. They throw the videos up on the screen all the time where he's telling his teammate, I hope for a tie. I'm hoping for a tie. I've never ho- wanted more than a, uh, to get a tie because they would have made it to the playoffs where ultimately the Raiders kick a field goal and win that game. But yeah, he hadn't even been into the playoffs, and he was crowned already as the next guy, the next coming of uh, you know the greatest thing since sliced bread. And so uh, now he's made it to the playoffs. They lost that wild card game. Uh, but I think that he could be a really good player. I think he could be a really good quarterback. But I think he needs somebody to push him. Could that be Kellen Moore? Sure. It could be. He's a guy who likes to throw the ball around the yard a lot. He's not really a big believer in running the rock too much. But I think Sean Payton would have been better. Right? Kellen Moore could be the guy. Yeah. I think Sean Payton would have been better, and I think everyone could agree on that. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, hoping for a tie in the NFL gives me <laughs> gives me Cancun on three type right. of vibes, to be, to be honest with you. Shout out to all the NBA fans who get that reference. Uh, but look, the Cowboys and the Chargers are not alone, uh, along with the Philadelphia Eagles and teams that didn't do enough this offseason or just, just did some things that were just really confusing. We're going to cover two more teams, one more from the AFC, one more from the NFC, coming up next on today's episode of Locked On NFL. You are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Q, we're sending everybody into the weekend here talking about teams that didn't do enough or didn't do what maybe they should have done that kind of matches their theology, right? We're talking about the Dallas Cowboys specifically, like the way that they want to run their team doesn't really match the moves that they made. The Los Angeles Chargers doing some things that are a little bit confusing to kind of battle against, uh, I would call it common sense, because most people, like you said, Brandon Staley, most the common person thought that Brandon Staley would be gone, but he is not. Uh, their loss is the Denver Broncos gain, but we have two more teams uh, that have lost out this offseason. I've got an NFC team. You've got another AFC team. Who is that AFC team that we're going to talk about here? Well, I'll tell you, I know that after uh, I went in on the Chargers, I know all Charger fans are like, get this guy out of here. This guy covers the Raiders. What does he know? He's dumb. He doesn't have any idea. Well, don't worry. Uh, my my criticism is not just for the Chargers in the AFC West, but also the team that I cover, the Las Vegas Raiders. And I look at the situation and I look at their quarterback situation and as we all found out and we're confirmed on Thursday from Raiders OTAs they have a quarterback that's very injury prone they signed Jimmy Garoppolo in the in the offseason after moving on from Derek Carr who's now in New Orleans uh, with the Saints of course Ross Jackson gets the opportunity to cover him now and I think he's going to do some good things there in New Orleans but I'll, I'll just say this man I mean they went and signed Jimmy G my biggest question mark when they made that move and my biggest hesitation to support that move was well, he's always injured. He's always injured. So on Thursday, head coach Josh McDaniels tells everyone in the media room that, no, he won't be participating in OTAs. He's still rehabbing his foot injury that he got with the San Francisco 49ers. So 
They didn't have surgery during the 2022 season on his foot because he thought he was going to be able to rehab it and work his way back and maybe play depending on how deep they went into the playoffs. Well, he never got back onto the field. Signs his contract with the Raiders, and while they're having him sign that contract, they find something in his physical and says, yeah, you need to go and make sure you clean this up and have the surgery. He has the surgery. He's still rehabbing. So this isn't a new injury, but it's a Jimmy G injury, and Jimmy G is always injured. And so then you fast forward to what the Raiders did in the draft, and you know, I'm sorry, if you have Jimmy G and you have Brian Hoyer as quarterback one and quarterback two, you don't have a franchise quarterback for the long term. You have a Band-Aid. You have masking tape. You don't have your future franchise guy. You don't have your Bryce Young, your C.J. Stroud, your Anthony Richardson, even your Will Levis, your Hendon Hooker. You don't have those guys. You didn't select any of those guys, right? And I think that the Raiders made a mistake by not going out there and prioritizing a quarterback of the future. Now, they did draft Aiden O'Connell in the fourth round out of Purdue. Maybe he's that guy. I don't see it right now, but if, and it, and if he ends up being that guy, I'll have no problem coming back and saying, you know what? They're geniuses. They knew what they were doing the whole time, and I just didn't have a clue. I'll, I have no problem coming back and saying that. But I find it hard to believe that a fourth-round pick out of Purdue that has struggled with decision-making, has struggled with mobility, has struggled with a lot of different things, but, you know, is pretty sharp. He's got a, a good brain. He's, uh, you know, he's gone through adversity. He's a walk-on. I mean, I've heard all the... The try-hard types conversation, great. Maybe he is going to end up being that guy. But I think that they really missed the boat by not going and addressing and prioritizing the franchise quarterback of the future. Uh, if Jimmy G goes down and you got Brian Hoyer or Aiden O'Connell in action, I feel like you know it's, it's probably a lost season, and then you'll be picking high in the draft again next year. And maybe that's when you go get your quarterback. But I think it's something that they should have tried to prioritize and, and really work on getting that this offseason. They didn't. Yeah, absolutely. No, and, and look, those those mistakes could maybe lead to Caleb Williams, right? And right, maybe five true. years from now, it it's could okay. be a method to the cares. madness. <laughs> but but right now, right? Yeah, I mean, I completely see see where you're coming from, and I think that something that Brock Purdy uh, has done to the common NFL fan is given everybody a reason to be excited about a quarterback, no matter where they're drafted. Right. But I actually kind of look at recent comments from Darren Waller, who obviously went from the Raiders to the New York Giants, yeah, and he was speaking to New York media and said that here what we think and what we value actually matters. And, you know, while that's not a direct shot at the Raiders, oh, yeah, it is. that's a shot at the Raiders as, as far oh, as yeah, I'm it concerned, is. right? Yes. And when you have quarterbacks in today's NFL, I think I think if you look at the best quarterbacks in, in the NFL today, they're part of what makes them the best, and they're not all super athletic, right? Like Josh Allen has his own run game threat to, to himself, sure, but it's not the same as like a Patrick Mahomes right. or a Lamar Jackson. And you even look at Tom Brady and even the Buccaneers' really bad season last year, the best moments in that bad season were when Tom Brady was allowed to operate within Tom Brady's brain. You need quarterbacks to be out on the field making decisions and being able to read and react and feel like they have that flexibility. Well, if you've got a situation in Vegas where players don't feel like what they're thinking matters, that could be uh, really dangerous. And even if Aiden O'Connell gets on the field, uh, he can't really move all that well anyway, like you said. But if he doesn't even believe that he's allowed to freelance on his own uh, when the time calls for it, then you're pretty much dead in the water. Uh, before it gets started, and I'll be honest with you, I'm I'm a little bit of a closet Raiders fan. Like it's it's really <laughs> weird. And my my daily listeners know this about me. I don't really have an NFL team. Like even going back to pre media days, I don't really have a favorite NFL team. I've just kind of always been a football fan, right? Yeah. But as a kid, the first time I went to the NFL Hall or the Pro Football Hall of Fame, my dad gave me some money to to buy something for myself in the gift shop. I bought a little kid's Raiders uniform. Nice. Uh, so I've always kind of just been attracted to that silver and black. And I remember Derek Carr and. Michael Crabtree and all the excitement that was going on around that squad. And really, man, ever since that injury that Derek Carr suffered that year, it just seems like it's kind of been all downhill from, from there for the most part. Some good moments, certainly along the way. 
but I, I'm really disappointed in where the Raiders are headed. But hopefully, like we just kind of talked about, maybe this is Caleb Williams in the making and five years from now, uh, the Raiders will be uh, super relevant because I think the NFL is always better when the Raiders are there for people to love and for some people uh, to hate. <laughs> Speaking <sure>. of <laughs> some people hating uh, people, let's talk about Kyler Murray. Mm. Kyler Murray is a guy who's been very polarizing uh, since before he even entered the NFL. I mean, I remember uh, the scouting combine where he was going to be the number one overall pick. Like the, the group in Indianapolis was pretty much split down the middle on how many people thought that was a really good idea and how many people thought that was a really terrible idea. All of us who thought it was a bad idea are are somewhat taking victory laps. I never like seeing a human fail, Q. So right. I don't take I don't take pride in being right that I didn't think Kyler Murray was going to be what a lot of people thought he was going to be. But the bottom line is, if you're the Arizona Cardinals and you're tied to this guy, you have to come in. I, I don't I don't disagree with getting rid of Cliff Kingsbury necessarily, but your next move still has to be with how do we make Kyler Murray the best Kyler Murray possible yep. in mind. So. How did the Arizona Cardinals go about doing that? Well, they went and hired a defensive head coach. That makes a lot of sense because that's <laughs> right. not usually how you want to do this, right? Typically, defensive-minded head coaches, I cover two of them, don't focus on the quarterback. I've got Baker Mayfield and Sam Howell coming up that I'm covering this season on two defensive-led head coach teams. They accentuate the defense. So the Arizona Cardinals go out, they hire a defensive-minded head coach. DeAndre Hopkins is probably maybe someday going to be on his way out. Either way, that relationship doesn't seem like it's right. uh, very solid. They've only added one free agent on each side of the ball that outside of training camp preseason is really going to make an impact as far as I see it. And one of those guys was the second-best defense on the team or the second-best linebacker on the team that the defensive-minded head coach just came from. They did draft offensive tackle Paris Johnson out of Ohio State. And that's great. And I love Paris Johnson. What I will tell you is if he's got a weakness coming into the NFL, it's that when his quarterback starts moving around a lot, he has a tendency to get grabby. You have Kyler Murray. <laughs> like this, this is, this yeah. is, I don't say this is a bad tackle. He's still a very good solid tackle, but the fit doesn't really make a lot of sense. We'll see if he can fix that at the NFL level. And I would say that the difference between this situation and the Dak Prescott situation, and maybe even the Justin Herbert situation is that the Arizona Cardinals don't really have an out in this situation from Kyler Murray mm -hmm. until maybe 2025 and in 2025 or actually after 2025 season rather they could save 12 million which is good but you're still eating 33 million dollars so even if you start a rookie contract player you're paying about 35 million dollars for your starting quarterback from jump street uh and and you know yeah that 12 million is great but again so the 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 team actions and I know that they re-signed Kyler to this massive deal before all these hirings and the firings and and I get all that but you're you're continuously tied to this quarterback. So to make all of these moves and and again, the pending move that we're all kind of expecting of DeAndre Hopkins that hasn't happened yet, you're going to then do something that basically detracts from this quarterback. And let's be honest, he's already shown publicly this is not a dude that takes responsibility. This is not a dude that takes adversity and uses it to fuel him. He takes adversity and he drags himself down with it. I don't see how this goes anything but disastrous for the Arizona Cardinals. I don't know, like. Do the Cardinals draft Caleb Williams Q next year, even though they got Kyler Murray on the books for 20 plus million dollars for the next two years? I feel like they can't. I feel like they're married to him, like you mentioned. Yeah. I feel like that that he's really the guy and he's gonna be the guy for a while. And and that's why I question the moves that were made in the offseason in the hiring of Coach Gannon. And I and I don't have any problem with Coach Gannon. I want him to get a job. I think he earned right. a job by what he was able to do with that Eagles defense, but it was what he was able to do with the Eagles defense. 
<laughs> it wasn't what he was able to do with the Eagles offense, right? I mean, you've got to, if you have Kyler Murray, you've got to have someone that can make him the best version of himself, as you mentioned. I don't see that currently on the team. And look, we know he's coming off of ACL. He'll probably redshirt this upcoming year. So now all of a sudden you have a coach that is going to roll with who? Colt McCoy? He's going to be the guy. Is he still in Arizona as the backup? I mean, he's, you know, he's been a backup everywhere. But he's going to be the guy until Murray comes back whenever that is. And, and then all of a sudden you've got to adjust. I just I don't think that there's been enough setups to, 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 to set up their, their long-term plan with the quarterback with the head coach all being on the same page. I just think that they made a bunch of mistakes and I don't I'm interested to see how this all plays out, but for coach Gannon to take this job and to be, you know, the 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 head coach now, I mean, he he's really putting himself in a position of I think I can make this whole team better and he better because then you, we all know his job's going to basically uh depend on it, you know, and with all the money that 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 uh, Murray's is owed I don't see Kyler going anywhere. I say if, if this thing goes bad, I think Gannon will be the, the fall guy. He'll be the first one to blame. And that's unfortunate for a guy who inherited this situation. He didn't, he didn't develop this, uh, this situation. Absolutely. No, I 100% agree. Uh, and, and, you know, I know every year we talk about the coach cycle and people will say there's only 32 of these jobs out mm -hmm. there. And if you're a coordinator leaving a team, there's only 31 possible. And then, you know, uh, it, it whittles down from there. But I would always argue not every job is a good job. And maybe sometimes it's okay to be the best defensive coordinator in the NFL right. for another year because at the same time, there's always new jobs coming up uh, the next season. So, uh, yeah. So good luck to Coach Gannon, obviously. Like you said, <laughs> He didn't create this mess, but he's going to have to uh, untangle it. So yeah. good luck to him. Uh, good luck to everybody this weekend. Hopefully you have a safe holiday weekend. If you're celebrating coming up next week, we're back every day. So every day, make sure you are subscribed and make sure you have those notifications or auto downloads turned on. In the meantime, if you got questions or comments, if you want to add to this list or if you want to tell me why uh, I'm wrong about the Dallas Cowboys, <laughs> you want to tell Q why he's wrong about the Philadelphia Eagles. Drop them in the comments here or head over to Twitter and find us at dharrison82 and at your boy Q254. As always, thank you so much for making Locked On NFL your first listen of the day every day. Every day, thank you as always for coming through on a consistent basis like you do. We'll see you next time for another episode of Locked On NFL, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.